0: Did we figure out the mystery of the guitar, Nick? (laughs) Folks, I tried everything under the sun. I don't know what was wrong. I apologize for that. It is good to see y'all this morning. Uh, Like I said earlier, absolutely awesome week. Awesome week. And I realized in my study that this church actually was following Biblical instruction, Godly instruction, Biblical doctrine, in performing and executing what we did these last three nights. <clears throat> I wanna encourage you if you've never been a part of it to, to come out, it's a lot of fun. As you can see, our verse is from Matthew six eleven. Give us this day our daily bread. We've all heard about this. I mean, I remember growing up in my grandma's house, they had, you know, the little publications, little tiny daily bread magazines, those things were everywhere. I mean, they used to prop tables with them. Daily bread everywhere. Give us this day our daily bread. That is from the model prayer. Now, that prayer is actually not supposed to be prayed verbatim. It's a model prayer for us to pray, and it's the manner in which we pray. It's all about the manner, And I really like that our and us is included because you can see this prayer is also to be prayed with families, with the church family, at home as well, when we talk about ours and us. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, the lessons this week from VBS were phenomenal. I know Chef Mona and then Chef Kevin and Chef Lynn Brought the kids God's word. And the first night was um, God provides the manna and the quail. Y'all heard that song from Exodus 16. Providing the manna in the morning and the quail at night. And then we had Daniel. In the first chapter of, da- uh, chapter of Daniel, Daniel uh, eating the vegetables. They didn't want the food from the king's table. They wanted this, and it was provided for them. And then, of course, John 6 Jesus Jesus feeding the 5,000, actually the 5,000 plus because we have to remember the women and children weren't counted in that number. So it was even more. What a miracle. These are the lessons the kids were taught based on give us this day our daily bread. Well, if you would please turn into the chapter John, turn to uh, chapter 21. There was another lesson. We only did the three nights. And it was one of the last ones. It was about Jesus appearing to the seven disciples. I'd like you to read with me. Uh, This is John chapter 21, starting in verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, And two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. So they went out. They got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread, and he gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, That's our text for today. And as always, I kind of want to walk us through and paint a picture of what's happening and what we're seeing. If you look back at John, just above chapter 21, you can see that it seems John is concluding his text by stating the purpose of his writing in 2031. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. It seems like he's closing out the text, However, he goes on and he makes it very clear in the imagery of fishing and caring for sheep that there is a great mission at hand. It's not done. We're not done talking here. There's a great mission at hand. So we see that Jesus reveals himself. This is the Sea of Tiberias, <clears throat> uh, also known as the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this is a place that would have been well known by these seven. So with the events that have occurred, and I need you to think about this now, with the events that have occurred, okay, uh, with the confusion and the, how overwhelmed these disciples were, it's interesting that they went to a place that they knew, that brought comfort, that they knew well. And I get it. Sometimes we need to go to a place that's comfortable for us when we are overwhelmed, when we are confused. Right? So This is some place and something that they understood, fishing and the Sea of Galilee. And I'm sure they did find comfort. The the boat most likely also belonged to one of them or a family member. It's not like they just got in someone else's boat. So it would have been one of their old stomping grounds, if you will. Now we know there's seven disciples. The Bible tells us. We have Peter, who was the leader, and we'll see that evidence in just a sec. Thomas, we know Thomas. Nathaniel, also known as Bartholomew. Um, there was James and John, and there were two others. Of course, I personally, this is not biblical, so don't hold me to this, but I believe Andrew probably was there. That's Peter's brother. And Philip, who used to hang with this group. It could have been those two. It could have been two others. We don't know. But we do know that there were seven of the disciples together. Now, we see Peter's leadership here. I am going fishing. Okay, Peter, we'll go with you. We see his leadership. Now, this is interesting. There are many, many scholars that disagree with Peter's action here of going fishing. Many scholars are divisive over Peter backsliding. So let me give you a little explanation. Of course, Peter was in the realm of backsliding. He had just denied the Lord and Savior three times. Three times. And so he'd seen him twice and on this third time, he says, Well, while we're waiting, let's go fishing. Now, picture this. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. They saw Jesus the day of the resurrection, all of them. They were terrified of remember? And then about eight days later, they saw him again. And then he's told them to please meet him, right, in Galilee. Now, this is what's interesting. We don't have a timeline. We don't know how long from the second visit to the third visit. We don't know how long they were waiting. We don't know. So while they're waiting, they're like, hey, we don't have Jesus anymore, who was our support. This is how we made money. This is how we ate. That's gone. So let's fish. I mean, wouldn't we? Let's fish. Let's feed our families. We got bills to pay. Let's go catch fish. Let's sell them at the market. Let's pay bills. Let's give money to our families. Let's eat. I mean, think about it. So they're divisive over that he's backsliding, that he's abandoning his task. When he's not abandoning his task, they're fishing, they're waiting. But I understand where they're coming from because Jesus, I mean, excuse me, Peter had denied Jesus three times. And they're looking at this as a criticism against him. But there's no room for criticism here. They simply went fishing. And there's a reason I believe this, and I want to explain it in just a sec, but they went nighttime fishing. A lot of people have problems with that. Nighttime fishing, well, it was the best time for fishing if you were going to sell fish in the morning. If people were waking up hungry and wanted fresh fish, it had to be there already. You didn't go fishing in the morning and then bring the fish. You wanted it for the morning sale. People wanted it for breakfast. So they were fishing at night. And you, know, you ever wonder what they talked about? I mean, I don't know if that's where your brain goes. That's where mine goes. You know, they get in the boat, <clears throat> seven of them. Are, are they, are you, where do you think Jesus is now? I don't know. We've seen him twice. He's going to meet us here. I have no idea where Jesus is. Well, What about the other four? Are they coming? Are they hiding? Are they going to meet us? I mean, what were the questions? What was the conversation? I just think that's interesting, you know. <clears throat> then all of a sudden, here's Jesus first thing in the morning now why didn't they recognize him a lot of people go wow that that glorified body what really changed jesus well here's the thing jesus was 100 yards off and it was very dim light we have to understand we got the nighttime becoming morning i have a hard time with you guys 30 40 feet away identifying you sometimes (laughs) imagine 100 yards off in the dim light you know what i'm talking about it's hard to make out someone's features It's hard to recognize who somebody is. So they didn't recognize him because of the distance and the lighting. It's hard to discern features. We can't criticize them for going, how did they not know that was Jesus? We know they were in the moment, in the present. And he asked a very simple question, a very simple question, and he got a simple answer. Of course, Jesus already knew this. Do you have any food, right? Do you have any fish? No. We've caught nothing. We fished all night. We got nothing to show for it. Well, think about this. Jesus asking that question, do you have any fish? I just want you to think about the physical and the spiritual implications of that question. They don't realize it yet. But the Lord and Savior is saying, do you have any fish? Do you have sustenance? Do you have food? Because, boy, he's going to give it to them in more ways than the physical, more ways than the physical. It was a simple question, a simple answer. And there were instructions given. Now I love the beginning of this miracle. Here's the instructions. They were obedient to Jesus. Throw it on the other side, man. Throw it on the other side, cast that net. I mean, it was a huge catch. It makes me think of the miracle in Luke 5. Verse, first 11 verses in Luke 5, Jesus set out in a boat so he could speak. The crowd was coming in. He set out so he could speak. People could hear him. And they said, hey, Peter, you guys get back in the boat. Oh, we fished, on, we fished all night. There's nothing out there. You fishermen know what I'm talking about when we don't get bites. <laughs> There's no fish in this pond. And they caught such a large catch that the nets were tearing. They had to get the other guys to come help them. It was a massive, massive miracle. And here's where I want to go with this. Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. Now here's, I love this. Did Jesus just speak those fish into creation right then? Were they spoken into creation? Or did he call 153 different fish at one time to come and swoop in? I want to know. I'm going to ask him that. That's one of my questions. I don't know if you start lining up questions to ask Jesus when you get to heaven. That's one I want to ask. Because it's really cool. There's, oh, by the way, don't break the code. There's too many people out there. There's 153 fish. There's not a secret code. There's codes all over the place for the one is this, the five is this, the three is this. God bless you for trying to break the code. It's just an accurate historical number which proves the validity of the Bible. Now there was a, one of our forefathers, uh, Jerome, he said, well actually, at that time in present world, 153 fish, that was all there was in the variety. That's all we knew. A variety, all kinds equaled up to 153. So he was saying that the net caught all. I get it. But truthfully, what we have to realize is it's an accurate historical number. But the point was, Jesus had previously, at the other miracle, told him, You'll be fishers of men, you will catch people. And here we see this being reinforced. The venture, my friends, was completely under the Lord's direction, under the Lord's authority. What a reminder. I'm going to say this a couple times. What a reminder. Our efforts are useless apart from his direction. They could have kept fishing apart from his direction, but they were obedient. They listened, and they threw it on the other side. Again, I, these are professional fishermen. Folks, they didn't fish just on one side of the boat. I'm sure they had fished all over the place on both sides. We have to think about things like this. So when he said, hey, man, throw it on the right side, I'm sure like, okay. And then this hall is huge. Now, here's here's my favorite part. The disciple whom Jesus loved, if you've ever studied the book of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved is John, the actual author. So John, I could just picture him. He's He's the one who identified Jesus, right? He's sitting there, excuse me, he's sitting there, probably standing, actually, in the boat, and he's looking out, and he's like, oh, Hold on. I heard the voice, but he said, throw the net on the other side, and we just caught a bunch of fish. I know exactly who this is. I've been here before. This is Jesus. So John recognized him, and this he said right to Peter. Now, if you know anything about Peter, <laughs> Peter is a, I'm going to jump in first. So John, the Conclusions, you name it, in the water. I'll be the first to get out of the boat and walk. Very voice, uh, loud voice, boisterous man. He heard what John said. That's Jesus, it's the Lord. Now they were stripped down. I know a lot of people think they were fishing naked. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that that was kind of a, a no-no in Jewish custom. You didn't strip naked. They wore their undergarments, if you will, They stripped down so they could fish and not get all wet, but what Peter did is he took his outer garments, immediately put them on, because he was not going to present himself to Jesus like this, and went, dove. The Bible says he threw himself into the water. I love that part. John had just identified him. Peter got dressed and jumped into the water. He was not going to wait for them to try to get that boat to the shore hauling that huge thing of fish. He said, I'm going to swim the hundred yards. I'll beat you. i got to get to Jesus. Now, I have a problem with those that say Peter had abandoned the task that he had not only denied Jesus, but he turned his back. I have a problem with that because the man threw himself in the water to get there first. Go, Peter. So he, John identified, Peter heard, there they are. Now, the others dragged the catch back in. I'm sure it was tough, and I'm sure they're like, Peter, oh boy, he did it to us again. Right? And they're dragging this huge haul back. But here's another thing, and I think we pass this. I don't know, I can't tell you it's a miracle because the Bible doesn't tell us that, but here's Jesus with a charcoal fire. Now let me remind you of something about a charcoal fire. It wasn't too long before that Peter stood around a charcoal fire. And that, my friends, is when he denied Jesus, right? In John 18, 18, In John 18, 18, it says, Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. And they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Here we have another charcoal fire. Now let me ask you something. This early morning, right, before the sun's risen, did Jesus stumble upon another fisherman's fire? And say, well, I'll capitalize on this. Did Jesus go and buy fish and bread somewhere? Was it even open? Did he carry it with him overnight there? I'm going to tell you where my brain goes, and that is Jesus Christ could have easily just said fire, fish, bread. He could have spoken it into existence. We won't know. There's another one of my questions for Jesus. But check it out. There's a charcoal fire going, and he's cooking fish and he's baking bread on this fire. And he says, Hey guys, bring your fish too. Now, this is cool. He says, Bring your fish. It is true. Their skill set, right? Just like us, God gives us talents and skill sets. Their skill set landed the fish. They cast the net, they hauled it in, right? They're gonna have to clean them and scale them and sell them. But Jesus said, bring your fish. Who provided the fish? Who gave them this catch? Right? It was Jesus, so it makes me, I just think it's funny, bring your fish, when, of course, this fish belongs to God. But this is what he does for us. He supplies, he provides. So there's 153 fish. We already talked about that wonderful historical number. And they're hauling it in. The net was not torn this time where the net began to break and tear on the other miracle, the net was not torn. So they were able to bring every single fish that Jesus had provided for them ashore. Now, Jesus provides breakfast. He's cooking this breakfast. They are not cooking this breakfast. He is. But the Bible says they knew it was the Lord. Now, isn't that interesting? They've approached this fire. They're looking at him. You know they got it. Come on, right? Well, he's here. <laughs> he did the fish thing again. He's here. He's got to be looking, they're looking at him, going, <clears throat> is, it, is it the Lord? And they, they know it is, but they want confirmation. You've got to remember, we gotta go back. He was killed. He was hung on a cross. John was there, saw him die. The ladies saw the body placed in the tomb, right? They all went back and forth. He wasn't there anymore after that third day. Awesome, wonderful day. So They've seen him a few times. It's interesting though, they still are like, I know it's him. It's gotta be him. But I am terrified to ask, were you the one that walked with us? Because you gotta understand, we would feel the same thing. We have the text, it's easy for us to go, you guys, you're so dumb, it's Jesus. But they're overwhelmed. They are absolutely confused by the events that have happened. They're not sure of the future now. They're not sure of what the day is going to bring. So Jesus is baking and cooking this food, and he graciously shares with them, just like he fed the 5,000 plus, just like he fed them. Here he provides nourishment as well. And there is renewal happening here. They are being drawn together in love. But let me tell you, unity is being restored. And this next part, I don't overlook this next part. Jesus passes it out. Jesus distributes the fish. Jesus distributes the bread. We have to remember that it's Jesus that is the one that's always providing. Always providing. So again, I told you, this is their third time. Now, in reality, if you go back to the tomb experiences, this is probably the seventh appearance of Jesus. But it's the third time, all right? First day of resurrection in Jerusalem. Eight days later. Remember Thomas? Oh, yeah, you're you're Jesus. Eight days later, in Jerusalem, and now they are in Galilee, in the Sea of Tiberias, and they are having breakfast with Jesus. Now, this is where it, it gets interesting, because a lot of times we say daily bread, give us this day our daily bread, and we do not define daily bread. We do not dissect it. We do we break it down. Just provide food for me, God. And it's not just about physical nourishment. It's not just about food. So this is what I want to talk about with daily bread. Real quick, I love the the discourse right here between uh, Jesus and Peter. The the love. The questions, do you love me? And you know, he asked it three times. Come on, we know this is restoration for Peter. Publicly, he denied him. Publicly, he'll be restored. But some scholars, and I just want to clear the air here, some scholars They break down the use of love in the Greek. The agape love or the phileo love. When in reality, John is just using these different types of love to express a stylistic variation. They're synonymous. Love is love. So it's not in reference to some kind of ascending or descending scale of love. Peter, one is you don't love me, ten is you really love me. Can you give me a number in between? It's not like that. This is about Peter loving Jesus on a personal level, devoted committed, love that will faithfully help him serve in obedience the mission that he's been given, the task at hand. That's why John's book wasn't finished there in verse 31. So, I want to revisit this. Peter did fall hard. He was a backslider. In fact, let me give you two verses. Matthew 26, 33 says this. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. John 13, 37. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay my life down, or excuse me, I will lay down my life for you. And as as he asked these love questions, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? What does he say at each end? This is how we, this is, oh, God is good. This is how we know where God is going with this. He says, feed my lambs. Do you love me? You know I love you. And then he doesn't want any other confirmation other than this. He goes, do you feed my lambs? You feed my lambs. Lambs are are young, what you saw up here, are new converts, brand new Christians. Those are the lambs. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you. Hey, tend my sheep. Tend my sheep means you guide, you lead the governance of the church body. You lead and you govern them. You tend my sheep, because all lambs become what? All lambs become sheep. Our little ones here will one day run this church. I hope. And then when you say, do you love me? Oh, Lord, you know everything. Of course I love you. I love you. Why are you asking me this? Well, feed my sheep. Not only do the lambs need to be fed, the sheep. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been in ministry. You need to be fed too. Do you understand what's happening here though? Peter will exercise his love. The questions he's answering, do you love me? He will exercise his love for Jesus by loving those who belong to Jesus. He is not only to catch fish, folks. He is a disciple and he is to feed the sheep. Daily bread. Everything we need to live today is a gift from God. I think we can all agree with that. Everything we need. Yesterday has been taken care of. If you made it through yesterday, and you're here today, you were provided for. You had your nourishment, you were safe, you were protected, even if you were a, a horrible accident. If you're alive today, this day, you have made it through. So you don't have to focus on yesterday. And tomorrow is not guaranteed, is it? Tomorrow's not a guarantee. Matthew 6:34. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What about this one? James 4, 13 and 14. Come now you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. This is why this day is spoken of. Yesterday's been taken care of. We don't need to dwell in the past. We don't need to live and dwell in the mistakes we've made in the past. And we don't need to focus on the future because that day will have its own trouble. It'll take care of itself. We are to emphasize. We are to focus on this day. Now, our daily bread not only includes physical needs. I think we've all understood that. It's not just physical. It's spiritual. It's relational. It's emotional. God cares for the entirety of our being. So, without the gifts, hear me, listen to this. Without the gifts that God supplies, we could not survive a single day. Without what God supplies, His gifts, we could not survive a single day. That is why we say, give us this day our daily bread. He upholds the entire universe. If we truly believe that, let me give you scripture, Hebrews 1:3. Hebrews 1 He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Here's another one. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and guess what? And in him, all things hold together. If we truly believe that Jesus in his power through His Word, upholds the universe, we have to believe that He also upholds our entire being. Now, I don't know if you remember Declaration of Dependence. Remember Independence Day sermon? We declared our dependence on God. We are completely dependent on God's graciousness. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the bread we eat, every gift We've read this verse. I'm going to go over it. James 1.17. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every gift. When we pray for our daily bread, when we pray for daily bread, we are focusing on the present This day, not yesterday, not tomorrow. This day is where he wants our focus. Have you ever wondered what it would be like? Oh, please walk with me on this question. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if we were not anxious about our future and we didn't dwell on our past? Because you know we're guilty of both. Listen, I've got four calendars, two email accounts, three email accounts, excuse me, Text, phone, you name it. I live by these calendars and these lists. And everything's future event. This would have been planned weeks ago. Not the whole guitar mishap, but weeks ago this would have been planned, right? Here we are in present day. I could easily be focusing on other things. I could easily be dwelling on the mistakes I made here. But I'm in the present day. Because this is the day that I have to emphasize. This is the day I have to focus on. This is what I need from God. Give me, Lord, please, this day. My daily bread. Living in the present. It's not about having more stuff. Have you noticed when we pray, we don't pray, I want. I've never, heard about, I've never heard you guys say, Lord Jesus, I want. I've only heard need. Lord, we need. This person needs. This person is in need. I've only heard the word need, not want. So it's not about having more stuff. It's not about focusing on the earthly. It's all about treasuring Jesus. Jesus. Just like Peter in the story. It's like the parable of the pearl, uh, the pearl of the great value. If you know that, it's in Matthew 13, 45, and 46. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On uh, finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. I love that tiny little parable. I am a merchant of the finest of pearls, and I just want to see what you've got here. Oh, Wow. He'll sell everything, every other pearl collection, everything he, I want just that. That's what Peter did in the story when he dove in and swam to Jesus. That's John loving Jesus so much that he could identify him. We need to live out that parable. See, Paul knew the secret of contentment. It was found in Jesus. We see that in Paul's life too. So when we talk about daily bread, we are talking about our needs, for today but we need to break them down first off god already knows what you need but he wants you fully dependent he wants you to fully rely he wants you to ask him for those needs he already knows he doesn't want you to go jesus good morning i need daily bread today amen no lord i need to pay this water bill father can you please lord i'm in need help me figure out my finances lord there's a health issue Father, we need healing. We, need... we come to God. We break down what daily bread is. These are the things He wants to talk to you about. We need to come to Him, see Him just like John did, run to Him just like Peter did, and we need to tell Him, Father, Lord and Savior, this is what I need. We need to come to him and break that down. It's total dependence. It's trust in all things, in all necessities. Trusting God to provide. He already has provided for our greatest need, hasn't he? That's salvation. He's provided. It's Jesus. What, What does Romans 8.32 say? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All gifts. Amen, right? For today... For today, Lord, I do need nourishment for today, Lord. I need water too. I need drink. Heavenly Father, I need to be safe. Can you provide safety as we travel? Heavenly Father, can you provide sustenance for this family who's just lost their home? We go to God, we break daily bread down. We break that down for Him. He's the bread. I know that everybody knows that. He is the bread. It's the bread of life, John 6.35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We've got to take that literally. We have got to take that seriously. The bread of life provides. He is our provision today. I've got to give this wonderful illustration, and then I'll close. Here's a wonderful illustration. And I've, I've said this one before, but it moves me so much to the core. There was an elderly lady. And she, fortunately, could still live in her home. She had assisted living with nurses, if you will. They, she had a daytime nurse. She had an evening nurse. And <clears throat> bless her heart, I, don't, I can't remember what plagued her, if it was a muscle thing or a bone thing. But to walk was a great, great task. It hurt. Every step hurt her. It was excruciating. So she needed assistance getting up from her chair. That's why she had the nurses there, of course, and to clean and cook and things like that to help her. But she used a walker. We know those walkers. My dad's been on a walker for, well, at least for the next past few days since his surgery, because he can't walk on his own. We need that support. But the evening nurse had written, and this is where I got, where I got it from, she said she kept hearing this, this elderly lady talking before and after each step. And she finally started paying attention. <sighs> She was thanking God for each painful, agonizing step. She was thanking God. But then the lady heard her, praying for another one. I mean, that was her daily bread. She was praying, Lord, can I step one more time? Can you just let my foot move in front of the other? We take it for granted. We get up, we run around like crazy. Walking's easy for us. But for her, it was her daily bread, Lord, I need one more step. Most of her trips were to the restroom or the kitchen. Just those two little journeys. But it was a task, and it was painful, and the nurse was brought to tears when she understood what the lady was doing. Praying for another step, and then thanking God for it, no matter how painful it was. And my Lord, did that just punch me right in the face when I read it. I take for granted, we all do, The gifts every day. You're not guaranteed a next breath. You're not guaranteed a next meal. Every perfect gift comes from above. It's from God. He is the one who gives us our daily bread. He uh, supplied Peter that day with food and nourishment that morning. you got to know he had to be hungry. They were fishing all night. I bet they were hungry that morning. Here, I want to feed you. But then what did he give Peter? Oh my goodness, Forgiveness and restoration. He brought Peter right back into his position. See, this is daily bread. It's not just about physical. It's so much more, and we are to come to Jesus. So let me paint a picture, and I'll close. Let me paint a picture. We wake up in the morning, our eyes open. That starts our day. We all agree with that. We may have different times we wake up, different shifts we work, but when our eyes open, we start our day. And then when we're done with that day, what happens? Our eyes shut, right? We close out the day. So what happens in between those? Well, I kept thinking about this story. I kept thinking to myself, that dim light, you know, it's like me waking up. First thing we should do is see Jesus and identify him when we wake up in the morning. Identify Jesus, knowing that he is the Lord. And like Peter, throw ourselves at him. But this is what dawned on me. I've never asked the question like uh, Jesus asked Peter. I've never never sat there on the other side and pretended like Jesus said, Mark, do you love me? Because this is what hit me hard. I realized what he was doing with Peter. Peter, if you love me, you're going to express that love by feeding my lambs, tending my sheep, and feeding my sheep. It's a very pastoral role, but we're all ministers of the word. And I kept thinking about this and thinking about this, and it just, I mean, boom. You and I are instrumental in being another person's daily bread. God uses us to meet the needs of others. We see it in Scripture. We've read it. We know it. And I realized, my goodness, someone else is praying this day and breaking down their daily bread for Jesus, and he may be using me. He may be using you. We may be instrumental in meeting that need, being that bread. How do I know that? Because of what he told Peter. You feed my lambs, you tend my sheep, and you feed my sheep. We need to pray that you and I become instrumental workers, workers worthy of the gospel, worthy of our calling, that we too realize that we help our Lord in meeting the needs of others. He uses us for that. Because I'm going to tell you, he's used you to be my daily bread. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We have got to remember that so when we see Jesus in the morning and we throw ourselves at him, think of that question that he asked Peter. Do you love me? How are you going to respond? Because what he's looking for is an expression of that love. And how do we do that? By sharing our gifts and meeting needs. Feeding lambs, tending sheep, feeding sheep. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, we want to thank you for this awesome week with these children. Lord, we come to you now and we say the words, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you already know what that entails for each and every person because it's different for us all. Some people are suffering from an injury. Some people have a medical issue. Some people have finance problems. Some people may be wondering where their next meal is coming. Some people may not be able to do the work at the house that needs to be done to keep it up. Lord, we are Blessed that you give us gifts, and these gifts are to be used and shared with this body of believers. That's how you have designed this. We see it in the discourse with Peter, in the conversation you had. Heavenly Father, my prayer right now is that we all come to you daily, emphasizing this day, the needs for this day, and doing so, Father, realizing that you may be using us to meet the needs of another. Let us be open, Father, open to your calling, open to your directions. Just like the disciples, those seven were obedient to your instructions. Let us see you. Let us chase after you and let us be obedient to what you have instructed us. That's our prayer today, Lord. As we close this service, Father, as people go home, go to lunch. Lord, I pray that the one thing they remember is that apart from you, we can do nothing. Our efforts are useless. That's why we have to have you in our lives and we have to have you fulfilling all necessities and needs. Father, help us remember that. Let that be a daily thing for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.